It's the Euros Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Ronaldo, the record breaker, strikes again, twice in fact, to become the Euros leading scorer as the holders leave it late to fly out the traps whilst France fend off Germany with relative ease. And today, Wales are back in action, taking on Turkey and Baku as both Italy and Finland eye progression to the last 16. To get into all of that, we have the Mirrors Sports feature editor, Mark Jones, and Bristol Live Sports editor, James Piercy. Gentlemen, I hope you're both well and uh, Mark, I'll come to you first and we'll talk all about Cristiano Ronaldo and the fact he is now the leading scorer in Euros history. There's just no slowing down for him, is there? No. Um, and even when you sort of think there is, then that he somehow sort of comes through it at the end, doesn't he? I mean, he missed that sitter in the first half and, and I mean, Portugal didn't look overly sort of convincing for a lot of that game, did they? But you just sort of... You just can't stop him, and 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 whether or not it's you know obviously it's a penalty with a goal, but you know it's the first goal, but he's just such a and as he's got older, you know, and it's obviously the big Ronaldo Messi thing. As he's got older, I think you're seeing fewer sort of really brilliant performances from him, but he just goes and bags a goal, and he'll score another one, and and it's like oh look at him, he's in the headlines again, you know, and um, yeah, it's just it's just incredible. He's um, he. And he'll probably keep going. I mean, what is he now? Thirty-six, I want to say. Um, and I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if he's still going when he's forty, would you? Because he's um, obviously he uh, looks after himself very well, as we can see. And, and he um, he's a he's a machine. Yeah, he's not a fan of Coca-Cola, is he? Made no. that clear before before the game. But uh, James, in terms of him, I've always been more on sort of the, the messy side of things, but I can't help but admire Cristiano Ronaldo. And as Mark says, he seems to just concentrate his performances into a match of moments as opposed to trying to sort of do everything all the time. And then he, he just comes up late in the day with two goals, moves on to 11 in Euros uh, competitions, the first guy to appear in five tournaments. And as Mark says, you probably wouldn't put it beyond him, maybe even featuring yeah, I mean- six. Sorry, I think that's an excellent way you sort of put it there in terms of the the, the the moments he has. I mean, in a way, he's kind of the greatest goal hanger the game has ever seen at the moment um, because he's so, and I mean that in a nice sense, by the way, so please don't have any mentions of that. But um, in terms of his involvement in the game, he's not really a presence. And I think, you know, what the difference is with this Portugal team that perhaps we didn't have four years ago, he's got more kind of approaching maybe, oh, I see Bernardo Silva, obviously, but, you know, there's generally sort of world-class talent around him. I think we saw that Portugal team yesterday and we all got quite excited about what we saw in terms of the names on the pitch. Um, you know, they kind of lack the fluidity, but when you've got Ronaldo and they were sort of tiring, hungry, hungry, concentration levels were down, because he's not so involved in the game, he can kind of distill his moments to within the penalty area, and then he kind of comes to the last ten minutes. Um, in terms, of his longevity is 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 as impressive as his goal record in terms of how he's maintained. Because lots of players kind of ebb and flow through their career. He's kind of had this, you know this steady rise, not some bang, and then he's you know top two players in the world. He's maintained that. Um, what what I find interesting for him, and also as well, sorry, I should say how he's kind of evolved his game how what he was, it's, it's remarkable to think what he was uh, when he sort of moved to Manchester United and, you know, his, I guess his sort of five years at United or whatever at the, at the top where he was effectively a goal-scoring winger and now he's a, he's like an almost like a, a Pippo Inzaghi type. Um, it's, 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 it's incredible really how he's managed to do that and that's obviously helped him at the top. But what I find interesting with this Portugal game sort of maybe digress is, is how that's going to impact them when they play against a genuinely good team where you've got a player 
who's not really offering anything defensively, anything in the build-up. And that's when, you know, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva are going to have to take a bit more ownership and kind of become kind of the alpha members of the team and not have that, I wouldn't say reliance on Ronaldo, but certainly, you know, for him to, to produce. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Sort of real good point. But in terms of it all, and looking at Ronaldo and the fact that he's now played in five tournaments, Mark, he's scored in each of them as well. But 2004, obviously, Portugal hosted it and reached the final. 2016, he was obviously in the winning side as well. You wouldn't really put it past him, even at least maybe making it through to the last four again. Yeah. Um, actually, I was just thinking there, I mean, in a way, obviously, with this being, tournament being delayed, you know, we've got we've got this in 2021. We've got the World Cup next year. The next year, is only three years away. So he's going to be thinking of that, I think. Um, he's going to be thinking, I've got all these... Well, I, I would be shocked if he didn't play in those two tournaments, to be honest, thinking about it now. I mean, he... Um, he we, we, we all know how he kind of, you know, really prizes these records he goes for and they really mean a lot to him on a, on a personal level. I mean, he... He can, you know, come across in in a certain way, and he's never been the most sort of modest person, has he? But he, you can't help but respect what he does, and he's um, he's uh, just a kind of, you know, he's he's going to go down. I think when we think of football, we're going to think of he's going to be, you know, on the on the front cover of the, the big book of football, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's 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 he's, he's that. He's he's such a presence. He's such an icon, and he, I mean, what is there that he can't do really in terms of goal scoring records? And I guess maybe, you know, the only thing left for him would be the world cup, wouldn't it? Um, in terms of, and then, and then he can, he can go off and, uh, and drink and drink water and, and, have, and have a lovely life. But, um, yeah, it is, you can't help but respect what he does. He's, he's, he's a remarkable player. Yeah, 106 international goals now. It's beyond belief. He can still become the leading international goal scorer of all time. Mm. But James, on the point you made before as well, he seems to have sort of defied logic. Players normally retreat further and further back the pitch as they get older. But he arrived at Manchester United as a, as a flashy winger without too much output, became a goal scoring winger, as you say. And now, and now he is just a complete goal getter. Yeah, he's a really smart player. I think that sometimes gets a bit overlooked because you talk about his athleticism and his, his sort of general astounding self-confidence and all this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, but and obviously his sort of ability with the ball at his feet, but I think his, his, his just sort of his general football intelligence is 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 excellent and it, and it is sort of a, an attribute that, that perhaps he doesn't get enough credit for um, because he is his, his character. Um, I think just to touch on what Mark said, um, I think when you sort of say about his sort of place in history and, you know, he's still carving it out to a point, but... He's, he's very much like a modern footballer um, in terms of this kind of, we're, we're much more um, obsessed perhaps with individuals now than perhaps we were, um, you know, several years ago. You know, of course, it's always about the team and he's not going to win a tournament on his own. You know, Messi's proved that with Argentina. You know, you, there's only a few, Maradona obviously in 86, there's only a few individuals who actually can win a tournament on his own. But in terms of Ronaldo, sort of hunting down targets as we talk about, it's almost like a very sort of Americanized. Um, sort of view of a sportsman, you know, the athlete, are the individuals think about the NBA, the NFL, things like that. He kind of fits into that aesthetic a bit, um, which I find interesting. And, he, and he's, he's, he's like, he is like a 21st century footballer um, in many ways. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of the, the annual of modern football, I think that he's, he's as close to a representation of, what, of, of, of one aspect of certainly how we think about the game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
In terms of the other game played then yesterday, Germany nil, France won. And uh, if we talk, Mark, about Cristiano Ronaldo and what a great individual he is, what about N'Golo Kante? He's won the Champions League and then he comes into this game. He's effectively a one-man midfield allowing Rabiot and Paul Pogba to get around the pitch. Just complete security there for them. And I, I'm just amazed by him every time, given now it's it's sort of what five, six years now we've seen him right at the very top of the game and dominating midfields, despite being half the size of some of the giants he comes up against in the engine room. Yeah, he's, he's almost the anti-Ronaldo, isn't he? He's, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's this, he's this sort of force who, you know, imposes his will on the game just by kind of being himself and doing his thing. It's interesting because I find it, I think, I do think he had a bit of a dip um, under Lampard, uh, perhaps you know, a tiny bit before that, and obviously with Sarri, he it was they were li- weren't a little bit sure about his position, were they? Because Sarri loved Jorginho so much, and so it was basically he wanted to do whatever was good for Jorginho. Um, but then, I mean, since tu- since Tuchel's come to Chelsea, he's, he's been remarkable, and um, was it man of the match in both legs against Real Madrid, and then and then in the final he was superb. So um, he is, I mean, when you say about the one man in field. I agree with that, but also I think it's important. Sort of not. I thought Pogba was very good against against Germany, and I thought he, but but maybe Pogba's only good because Kante was good. So um, I thought Pogba was. He gave the type of performance that we were almost willing him to give for Man United more often. But you know, is the difference that for Man United he's got Fred and he's got McTominay. For France, he's got Kante and and Kante and Kante and Kante because he's everywhere. Um, so it's. I thought Pogba was great, and but it was kind of like Pogba was able to impose himself in his way, which is you know quite sort of stylish, isn't it? And quite you know those little passes he was drawing players in and and knocking it, knocking it off. Kante imposed himself by almost doing you know the basic things, but doing them incredibly well. Um, so yeah, with him in that form, and if that helps get the best out of Pogba, then it's looking pretty ominous for for the rest of the uh, the teams in the tournament. I think. Yeah, definitely. And Kylian Mbappe is kind of the, the poster boy for this France side, James. But I do just wonder, winning a Champions League and if France do go on to win this Euros as well, if N'Golo Kante, albeit he's very understated, might be somebody who's in the in the sort of discussions for winning the Ballon d'Or. We, of course, saw Luka Modric break that kind of Messi and Ronaldo dominance after helping Croatia to the final in Russia. And I do just wonder if N'Golo Kante would be in, in the discussion. Oh, unquestionably. I mean, he's a Champions League winner for a start. Um, I know Chelsea didn't, you know, quite have a proper proper go at the Premier League title, but certainly the Champions League, and he was outstanding in that final as well. Um, he, he he is the ultimate team player, isn't he? I mean, we, you talk about Ronaldo, maybe he's the ultimate individual. You know, you said it. Kante is the ultimate team player because he makes all his teammates better. He makes Paul Pogba better because he gives him that extra bit of room. He doesn't have quite the same defensive responsibility um, he just opens up space you know Rabiot perhaps isn't the best defender um, all the time um, he's a very sort of clever player but he isn't perhaps the best defensive player can take and cover that as well and he just he, he gives so much stability to that team um, and also as well the two behind I mean I thought France were outstanding defensively last night. I think if you if you kind of if you kind of sort of pick through that performance, and yes, Pogba was really good, Kante was really good. But as a team, I thought they were absolutely brilliant defensively. Um, Varane is just you know colossus. Um, but 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 it may, in many ways it starts with Kante in terms of, in terms of the example he gives and the energy as well. He's just constantly on the move, constantly seeing things, picking out interceptions. Won't you know keeps teams penned in. 
Germany couldn't get any rhythm really until the second half when they were chasing the game. Um, and yeah, if he if he stays fit and as you know, as we say, France go all the way, and you know, you fully expect them to reach the final, I think. Um, then then he has to be in the running for the Ballon d'Or because international tournaments do hold a lot of weight when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, and it would be interesting. I mean, Modric is a bit more of an attacking midfielder. He's probably the first defensive-minded player since Cannavaro in 2006, I would guess, to, to, to get near it. Yeah, no, definitely. Given I think what Kaka and then Ronaldo and Messi have basically dominated ever since. Yeah, you you bang on with that. In terms of Paul Pogba, then Mark was that the pass of the the tournament. I suppose it goes down as a pre-assist, maybe, but the fade on it, how it just dropped over the back of the German defence for Hernandez. It was a brilliant ball, and I think Manchester United fans at these tournaments must watch Paul Pogba and think, "Where's this player every week?" Because he looks a completely different player. Yeah, and it's interesting. I saw his quotes uh, before the game, and he he sort of suggested that you know he he plays with more freedom for France. And it was, and I was perhaps, perhaps reading between the lines, but it was almost like he was basically saying he enjoys playing for France more than he plays for Man United. And and I I think it is because of players like Kante, because you couldn't not enjoy playing with Kante. Um, I mean, with with Man United, it's almost like because Man United is set up in the way they are. A little bit like we were saying about Ronaldo, where it's 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 the moments, isn't it? It's it's the moments in games. They got through last season by, you know, not really playing the best football, going one or down in every game, it seemed, didn't it? Um, and they just come back into it through, you know, just just picking their moments in games. And sometimes it tripped them up, but but you know, they had a good season, they came second. I think with with France, it's being on the front foot, it's being, you know, the team that's in control of the game. It felt to me as though they could have won that game two or three nil if they if they really needed to. I know their goals disallowed, didn't they? But um, I just think Pogba with France, he just he just I think he just feels a bit better. He just whether or not it's Deschamps, I don't know, getting what best out of him, or maybe I mean the, the United thing to me. I mean it looked it looked broken beyond repair in was it November December when when that all came out with Raiola. I am surprised it's died down a little bit now and he seems doesn't seem to be much so whether or not that's to do with this sort of financial situation everywhere because no one's got the money to buy him it probably is um he he can frustrate and i think united could probably do with him not being their best player if that if that makes sense like they they their their best player needs to be probably bruno fernandez and everything should go through him pogba is there but he he doesn't sort of impose himself on the in the on the game in the same way. But I think that's because Solskjaer plays a different type of football. Um yeah. and it's not necessarily the one that's suited to him the most. Yeah, I agree with that. I think maybe with that number 10 in there, like Fernandez, as you say, he's so pinnacle to everything United do that maybe it doesn't give that room for Pogba to really stride around that midfield. But I suppose just final point, and on Manchester United, James, they could be, I suppose, one of the real winners out of this tournament. They've been linked with Rafa Varane. You mentioned him before. feels like they do need a defensive partner for Harry Maguire. Jaden Sancho, of course, negotiations going on for, for that as well, as well as rumours with the aforementioned Cristiano Ronaldo. They could really end up hoovering up a, a big lot of talented players out of this Euros. And if they can unlock Pogba as well, they'd have some team on their hands for next season. Yeah, but sure, they, they need Varane to have a stinker, don't they, to, to, keep his, <laughs> to keep his value down, I would say. That's probably the best, the best thing to happen. But no, I mean, uh, to, to touch on the Man United thing, I, st- I still don't think they've found the right role for Pogba, the, the right the right partners in midfield. I mean, you can you can you can make an argument that why should they have to find the best partners for 
to Paul Pogba, it's up to Paul Pogba to, to, to adapt his game. But, you know, you've invested this volume of money in him. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly, there's been a lack of sort of strategy in terms of the general football operations, I think, when they've made transfers and, and just kind of put players in without really considering, well, hang on, does he fit with a Fred or does he fit with a McTominay or whatever? So, I mean, if you, to, to go back to your point, Mark, in terms of him being number one, you you know, you go back to when he was at, when he was at Juventus and he was, he was, he was outstanding there. He obviously had sort of Pielo and Marquisio um, uh, with Vidal there as well at the same time but yeah you know really really good strong midfielders around him he wasn't the number one at, at Juventus and you look at the France team I don't even need to go through it but he's not the outstanding number one player there he has a ton of protection behind him some absolutely unreal forwards ahead of him so he can he can concentrate on his game and you know Paul Pogba playing well is a wonderful thing to, to watch so you would hope Manchester United do get it right this summer. Yeah, no, most definitely. Very quick word on Germany, Mark. And in terms of them, they look a shadow of their former selves. They've reached the semi-finals in, or at least the semi-finals in, in each of the last three Euros. Of course, they went out in the group stage of the World Cup as well. It feels as though things have gone very stale very, very quickly with them. And obviously, Yogi Love is moving on at the end of the tournament. feels as though maybe they could have been a bit more decisive and acted before this tournament. Yeah, it just seems a little bit muddled and a little bit as though it's exactly what they are. They're a team that the manager will leave soon and, and, and things, are, it just looks a time. I mean, they had the whole issue with Thomas Muller, didn't they? He wasn't even playing and he brought him back kind of out of the blue. I mean, did he do that because he thought that was the right thing to do or did he do that because he was told to do it or did he do that because he's leaving anyway so he's not bothered about the repercussions? I mean, so it's a bit, it's a bit of a muddle. Um, they don't, I mean, they're, they're very unfortunate to be in this group. I think they'd get out of most of the other ones. They'd probably get out of this one still, but it's kind of hard not to qualify, isn't it? But um, it's, it's it, I think they just looked to be sort of lacking in the way that the way that France played. France were in control of that game and Germany were basically just reacting to whatever France did. And, and it kind of felt as though, you know, you, you associate German teams in tournaments with being really confident and being incredibly organised and being, you know, all the stereotypical things we say. Um, and they just didn't seem that at all, to be honest. Before we get on to, to day six, let's very quickly, just after the first round of fixtures, just have a, a light-hearted moment of the tournament for you so far. I think, of course, the moment of the tournament is the work those heroes and, and medics did on Christian Eriksen, and great to read and see that he's responding to treatment so well. But in terms of on-pitch action or even whether it be remote-control cars, James, what's what's been sort of your highlight thus far of the tournament? Because it, it has lived up to expectation. I've, I've really enjoyed watching some teams. I really enjoyed the Dutch game, to be fair. I know they're, they're incredibly flawed in terms of stopping teams scoring goals, but I think they're going to be really fun to watch. Um, I love I love Frankie de Jong. I love him watch, watching him play football. Um, and, and on the sort of the funny part, I think it, in, in the ITV studio, when they back, went back to Roy Keane to assess this sort of Dutch midfield closing down um, Yarmolenko, wasn't it? Roy Keane's disgust was just... Perfect, absolutely perfect. So I'd, I'd like to see Roy Keane on more Dutch games moving forward. 
Um, and, and sort of Nigel de Jong then subsequently having to defend them. But yeah, there's been lots of good teams to watch. Um, you really enjoyed the England performance, if I'm honest. Um, France, I really enjoyed France-Germany last night. I know the commentators seem to be a bit down on it, said it wasn't classic. I thought it was a really good game. Um, Italy were fantastic. Um, I still sort of think, you know, I need Immobile to, to, to really to really deliver every game. Whether or not he can do that, I'm not sure. Um, just trying to think, you know, Spain obviously had their problems, but I like watching Pedri um, on the Spain game. Did did anyone notice the size of the technical areas in that match? Yeah, they were like actual sort of pitches yeah. on the side of a pitch. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's been a, a, a we haven't talked about Patrick Schick's goal, a Schick's goal, obviously up at Hampden Park. Sorry to Scotland fans, but phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of good games. There hasn't been many stinkers, I would say. No, I agree with that. I, I, another contender I'd throw in there, Mark, would be seeing a full crowd yesterday in Budapest. Mm. It was absolutely brilliant to to see and hear that. What what stood out for you? Yeah, yeah, the crowd was great. I mean, it's um, you know we've obviously seen grounds that are kind of a you know a third full or a quarter full or whatever it is. But you can tell when a ground's full, can't you? You know, and 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 you can just and the fact that it was hungry, it was hungry at home as well. Um, the little cars up there, to be honest, I've thought about it every yeah. day since. Um, I thought it was uh, going to be a thing for the whole tournament, but yeah, I did as well. Where's it gone? Yeah. Where's it gone? Maybe someone's, I think someone's it. taken the batteries or something like that for the yeah. Um, control, I also yeah. quite liked. Um, I liked it when when Pandev, who's about sixty three, um, yeah. scored for North Macedonia because you could just see what it meant to him, and it reminded me of you know being. Being, being a Welshman, we don't really have teams to support in tournaments most of the time. So so it, it reminded me of supporting a lot of the smaller teams that I like supporting in these things. Because um, like when, um, when when Panama scored against England at the last World Cup and they all went absolutely great. They were 6-1 down, but they, they just yeah. like they, they just won the thing. So yeah, so I kind of, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, no, as, as, as James saying, there's been, been some good games and been, been some um, sort of interesting, like, I, say, I say individual performances in terms of, um, you know, like, like Lukaku's got a couple of goals already and he, he looks in the mood, doesn't he? Ronaldo, we've already seen. Patrick Schick, I mean, that was incredible. Um, I thought uh, Mbolo for Switzerland against Wales was great. He, he turned into Brazilian Ronaldo in the second half. He was he, he was everywhere. So, but so yeah, it's it's it's, it's sort of um, it's 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 sort of warming up nicely, isn't it? After everyone's played. Yeah, no, definitely. And it is nice after five days of the tournament, we have so many different things to be able to talk about. As you say, the golden boot race really hotting up the actual football on show and then a few a few comical moments as well. Right, we're shortly running out of time to get into our, our day six preview. But Marco, I'll come straight back to you. Wales today, Turkey and Baku. It's going to feel like an away game. Is it do or die today? Yep, I think it's. I think this is it. I think it's... Um... This is the tournament for Wales, I think. Lose, and there's no way that they don't think they're going to get anything out of Italy in the last game. Um, so, yeah, this is, I think, this is this is it. I mean, I didn't think it was great against Switzerland, to be honest. I think it was, I mean, it, there's been a lot, I mentioned last time I was on, there's been lots of talk about the formation, and it was kind of, a, he ended up doing kind of a halfway house between what everyone thought he was going to do. And it didn't quite work. And I know he scored, but but having Kiefer Moore there, it just seems to be when he's there, they're so tempted just to lump it long to him. And I mean, and you would because he's enormous, but it 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 kind of overlooks the good players that Wales have, the likes of, you know, obviously I mean Dan James was great actually, but um players like Harry Wilson, who can't he didn't get in the game, uh David Brooks was only a substitute, you know, really good footballers. Um Ramsey isn't the player he was, but he's he's 
you know, he's still a good player. Obviously, Bale, you can say the same for. Um, so I'd be interested to see what he does today because Turkey, obviously, after they got after their first game, the, the crowd thing, I've kind of gone both ways with it. I kind of thought it was, at first, I thought it was a big disadvantage to be playing them. But actually, you know, after they've got hammered in the first match, are they going to feel the pressure? If Wales can get an early goal, it, it could really go against them, couldn't it? So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. It's this, this is this is this is it for Wales, I think. Yeah, I think the opening goal is going to be absolutely mm. huge, isn't it? Whichever way it goes, if it goes for Turkey, they'll be up. If it goes against them, then really could turn them. James, in terms of the other uh, day six games as well, we've got Finland against Russia and Switzerland against Italy as well. Finland and Italy both know if they win, they'll be through to the last sixteen. Yeah, remarkable story of Finland. Finland get over it. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're you know they're up against. Um, a, a, a poor side, I guess you could say. So they got, you know, they've got they've got every chance to do it, which would be a remarkable story. Yes, I guess you know that unfortunate sort of cloud hangs over their result um, over the weekend, but they got the win. Um, they're very much in position, even if they don't win today. Um, still very much in position to, to 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 get through, which would be a great story. But probably one of the two worst teams coming into the competition on paper, I would say. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously Italy, it would it, be interesting to see how they move on from their, from their, from their opening um, day performance, um, which I thought surprised quite a lot of people in terms of sort of how cohesive they were. Their midfield looked fantastic. You know, we, we do sort of unfortunately fall back into cliches when we talk about Italian teams and how they're slow, ponderous, defensively sound. You know, it's all about the 1-0, that kind of thing. But it was a real kind of excitement about, I, I thought anyway, in terms of how Italy were moving the ball around, players exchanging, you know, they're getting overloads. Spinozola on the left-hand side was, was very effective. So it'd be interesting to see if they can play like that again or even get, you know, improve having looked at kind of what they didn't do so great against um, Turkey and, and and really, you know, go into the knockouts because I think we can, you know, we can assume at this phase that Italy should, should get through. Um, and they were perhaps the one team who were kind of bubbling under the, 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 the big guns that you thought could make that jump. Um, and, kept, you know, by the time we get to the knockouts, are we sort of now considering Italy alongside France, Portugal, England potentially um, you know um, I'd say Italy and England are probably about on the same level at the moment in terms of we're not quite at that elite but there's certainly a lot to work with and there's a lot of potential to get there if if if, if things sort of click into gear properly yeah, and I think yeah. just a final point on Italy, Mark. We, we spoke about it after the opening night, but I think Roberto Mancini, in terms of management, we've spoken already on this podcast about Didier Deschamps and how pragmatic he is, but knows he has the firepower to be able to unlock games and really go for it. But I think his sort of tactical setup of the Italians even makes them more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, Um uh, yeah, I think we mentioned it last time, didn't we? But we we we're perhaps all a bit, little bit guilty of of overlooking Mancini and almost writing him off um, because we don't see him over here anymore. You know, it's easy to forget he he was a very su- successful manager for for Man City. Um, he, I think, they're probably the thing that surprised most people about that first game. And again, it's probably a stereotypical tournament thing, but you know, they were a little bit more free flowing than perhaps people thought. And I thought, I thought they. In that game, they just toyed with um, with Turkey, didn't they? And, and they didn't score until the second half, but you knew it was coming. Um, and I'd expect the same for them today. Um, I think they might have a little bit more to go in terms of, 
you know, looking like a side that that can really win it. I mean, we've you know we've 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 just seen France there who just look completely in the groove, don't they? And you'd probably need to see Italy. You know, you'd, you'd want another couple of performances from them before you're going to say that about them. Um, but I expect them to get, I mean, yeah, hopefully they, they win today and then they can rest players against Wales. But um, they, um, I'd, I'd expect them to, to sort of go through quite serenely, really. Yeah, no, we'll have to wait and see how it does all play out then on day six of Euro 2020. That's it from us here on Euro Digest today. From myself, Guy Clark, James Piercy and Mark Jones, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. <laughs>